The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's not another Buffalo podcast. With John. Roy Kent is like the best character in that show. Oh, he is. Like, boy. Phoebe. And Brando. Dude, you sound like Roy Kent. Are you serious? Uh, You've been holding out on this? On Buffalo Rumblings. All right. Welcome back to Not Another Buffalo Podcast. I'm John. I'm here with my buddy Brando. What up? Here on a Thursday afternoon. We're recording a little late. Brando. Held down the show last week very valiantly. I thought it was good. I'm glad got you of, did. I'm glad got you a lot of downloads, so people uh, people thought it was good too. Really? Yeah. Cool. So it was it was good to get our own opinion in on the Diggs narrative. I agree with most of what you said. Certainly, it has allowed a lot of the national outlets to insert their speculation and uh, so call much. reporting for sure. And I said it but, in the show last week. I was like, this is all speculation. I don't know what's actually happening. Couldn't tell you. Right. Don't know these guys. But everybody has an opinion. And I'm like, this is my trail of breadcrumbs. This is my conclusion, like from the pieces I put together from the things that I've heard and everything like that. But some of the national media, they just, it's so funny because you can tell it's the middle of June. And I want to say Steve Tasker said it today. He's like, thank God for this content from Stefan Dix, because otherwise we'd be talking about, you know, what came first, the chicken or the egg or something like that. And, <laughs> right. uh, I, I don't like it. You know, I don't like how everybody's jumping to conclusions. Everybody has their own perspective and they're mostly bad. I mean, I sent you this clip today, the newest one that came out again, like we're jumping down the rabbit hole. <laughs> we're jumping down the rabbit hole. And it's a quote from Benjamin Albright, the NFL analyst reporter. And he says, quote, I talked to some people in Buffalo on the condition of an autonomy Antomony? How do you say that word? Autonomy? Autonomy. Oh, or yeah. what it- Sorry, I talked to some people in Buffalo on the condition of autonomy, you know, staying anonymous. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. It's not. Auto- I'm sorry. I'm pulled up the quote on my phone here. What does that word say? I talked to some people in Buffalo on the condition of anonymity. <laughs> Anon- yeah, that is hard. Anonymity. Just staying anonymous. So <laughs> he supposedly talked to people that only agreed to talk to them because he wasn't going to reveal his source. Yep. He goes on to say... That his source says publicly, we're not moving him, but privately, we would consider it under the right circumstances. And that's just so crazy to me. Again, it's followed up by saying there are no solid reports of the Bills have engaged in any talks about trading digs or fielded offers. But Benjamin Albright had to note that it's not out of the question and he cited that source. 
So click can I can you I give said you, it. can I yeah clickbait but can I give you my instant reaction like if you're if you're Benjamin Albright and you want to get this clickbait headline and you don't want to be lying right cuz it's like you're not like flat out lying right you're not just making this up you're not pulling yep. this, I mean I would hope not maybe I'm thinking too much of people but to me it sounds like he had a conversation with somebody in the scouting department someone who hasn't been with the Bills for a lot of years maybe or has been I don't know Definitely not a Brandon Bean. Definitely not the people right below Brandon Bean. Probably the people below that. And, you know, he buys this guy a beer or calls him on the phone and says, are you guys thinking about moving Stefan Diggs? And they're like, no, of course not. Why Why would we move Stefan Diggs? And then Benjamin Albright's like, okay, someone gives you three first round picks. Could you move him then? And the guy's like, well, I mean, I guess, you know, any NFL player has a price, I guess, you know, yeah. any trade is possible depending on what you're offering. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, that's it. I got yeah, it. There's got my headline. I mean. You know, it's like you can twist anyone's words. It's June. As you said, I actually had to just look at the top corner of my computer screen to remember what month it was. But it's the long off season and uh, clickbait abounds because that's that's what's getting readers right now. There's such a good way to put it. I find that hilarious. You're so right. And <laughs> my take on it is, is Benjamin Albright just looked through six years of conversations and pulled a little bit of every single quote saying like, you know, we're not going to trade Sammy Watkins, but if the price is right. And it's like, well, maybe we'll trade for a receiver at the trade deadline, but maybe not. And like, he just takes this history of the comments of Brandon Bean and just kind of you know, smushes them together saying publicly. Now we're not saying we're not doing anything, but privately enough, you know, the deal comes, if the right deal is offered, I mean, Wayne Gretzky got traded the great one, right? Tom, exactly. Let me say Tom Brady didn't get traded, but it's just so baloney <laughs> to me that yeah. Albright can say that. And, and you think about it, you think about who leaks it. Like you said, what layer of personnel department did this quote come from? And you think about with Diggs, his agent came out and gave a quote advocating for his guy saying Diggs is at training camp after McDermott said he was extremely concerned. That was released by the agent to be in favor of his player. And it's like when you hear these rumors and you hear, you know, DeAndre Hopkins is, you know, visiting with the Titans and the Patriots. Like, is he visiting with an alternative motive to like put pressure on another team? Or it's like, what's the motive behind the media speak like who's leaking what and why is it being leaked what is their motive do they actually know anything are you trying like are they blowing smoke it's like draft season right you bring in yeah you bring in Brees hall for a pre-draft visit because you want the jets to draft him before your pick so you can take whoever next on your draft board you're trying to blow smoke and maybe this is one of those things but who really who leaked it is it yeah a, is it Steph, well, somebody like steph Diggs agent that's like you know, they're not going to talk about releasing or trading him, but privately we're looking for a deal or I don't know. There's a lot of angles on it. Yeah, I have no idea because he's not in contract negotiations and they paid him extra when they restructured him. So he just got extra money up front. Can I just give you my overall take on the Diggs thing? Of course. Like, I kind wish of, you were here I, last week. I, pre- I know. I, I know. This is now. a little yeah, bit it's turn, it's a late. I mean, I, I guess news cycles can be two weeks long in the off season for sure. So this is not not relevant yet. And maybe this is just a consensus or this is just kind of what I pieced together, you know, listening to everyone's takes on it. I think that, you know, taking the, what he's upset about out of it, because I have my opinions on that, but take, set that aside for a second. Just he's upset about something, right? So he goes into meetings, he reports to camp. He has meetings because this is the first time that they've been 
altogether, you know, in a long time. He doesn't go to the optional mini camp before. So they're all together and Diggs expresses his frustration in a meeting room with McDermott and whoever else is there. You don't know if it was just him and McDermott. You don't know who else was in that room, whether Josh was in that room. You know, it sounds like to me that it was just maybe him and McDermott. It like based on Josh's press conference, I don't know if he was necessarily in the room for that. Anyway, Diggs and McDermott get into a fight about a disagreement that they have, whether that's the departure of Chad Hall, whether that's mm-hmm. the scheme, whether that's Josh not being prepared for that last game, yep. and that speculation that you mentioned. But they went at it. They're two very strongly opinionated people, and they probably got into an argument. And Diggs stormed off and somewhere along the way, Diggs either decided I'm angry. I'm not coming out for practice after that. Or McDermott just said, get out of here. And a Diggs assumed that that meant, okay, don't come to practice. That explains McDermott's weird comments, his body language, being angry in that press conference, which you could very obviously see. Yep. And then him backtracking the next day afterwards, you know, more composed, more saying like we had a discussion, you know, we're just like a family, you know, you mentioned on the episode last week, Chopin Bulldog talking about the whole, you know, having a spite fight with your spouse metaphor. Yeah. And I thought that was pretty fitting. So anyway, don't know if it's resolved. Don't know any of that, but just seemed like they had a fight. There was a misunderstanding at some point. Diggs didn't show up to practice and then everything got blown out of proportion because it's just yeah. kind of everyone's just putting their own bias on it. I would love to be a fly on the wall. Because to know who's sitting there, just you wonder who's covering for who. Because in the 13 second fiasco in Kansas City, McDermott wouldn't throw anybody under the bus. He wouldn't take, he kind of took responsibility by the communication, but he never said, My kicker made the wrong play. He never said, My special teams coordinator called the wrong play. He never said, I relayed this. And and there's something to be said here too. And I don't mean to cut you off either, but while he verbally accepts, responsibility for it. They did throw the special teams coordinator under the bus by firing him in the off season. But they do these things subtly, right? Cause they don't want to do wrong by people. Yeah. But if you're not doing the job that they want to do, and that's, this is a huge topic that I can't believe that we didn't roll off the episode with, but haven't we noticed that that's what happened with Leslie Frazier? Oh this, yeah. Oh, you're this, so right. This, this year that true. he's taking off, he's not taking off. He's not he's taking been, off. He's yeah. been with other teams. Mm-hmm. They just named Eric Washington assistant head coach. Yep. Which means Leslie Frazier is all but not coming back mm-hmm. next season. And McDermott's taking over the play calling. We knew that. But this seems like I'm not happy with where things are. I want to raise the standard. And I'm taking this into my own hands. He's the boss. And he's like, yep. I can't delegate this anymore. I need it done right. I wasn't happy with how things turned out and under these circumstances. So I'm going to take over. And for better or for worse, I think we're going to find out exactly if that's an improvement or not. For better or worse is a good way to put it. So this is what I've been reading about on this. I read that McDermott took over play calling at the end of the Chiefs game in that 13 seconds. And he was the one that called those soft man plays in the 13 seconds for the chiefs to get the field goal. I've seen that disputed in a couple of different places. I think Tim, Tim Graham tweeted after that came up on Twitter, right? He tweeted that verified with McDermott that the only time he's taken over play calling was remember that a defensive slump. This is like three, four years ago. Right. When he first got over, 
Yeah, McDermott took yeah. it over for like two or three games, maybe. Yeah. And they gave him a spark and then he just handed it back to Leslie Frazier. Yeah. Or he, I don't know if they finished the season like that. Half time, right? I want to say he took it over halftime of a game. I yep. wish I could recall which team that they were playing, but they came out. I remember being on the couch watching like this is a big time defensive adjustment, a big turnaround. Like they're playing differently visibly with my eye. I can see that this is being called differently. And then they played really well, like you said, for the next few games. And then McDermott was like, nobody talked about it again, but he should do that as the big time coach. But this is another thing that we haven't really heard either. You remember the tiffs with Brian Dable, whether Brian Dable was just like, we can't run the ball like this. And they talked a lot about but they, as in sports media, about how McDermott was conservative. And you, you saw Ross Tucker rate him super low. And you hear WGR callers calling for McDermott's head because he's a defensive coach. And he was the only defensive coach in the playoffs at one point last year because it's all just flooded with offensive coaches. So his two star coordinators that he had are both gone now. And you want to wonder, like, we thought they had really good relationships. Maybe they didn't, but it's in a professional setting. They could like each other and everything. But, you know, McDermott and Dayball might have clashed a little bit about the aggressiveness of the team. But now, even without Dayball, the Bills were ultra aggressive last year. You know, they go for it when they're supposed to go for it. They follow the analytics. They don't get burned by bad decisions and they don't make too many bad choices. But with Frazier, it's the same thing. Longtime coordinator. A couple maybe of disagreements here and there could be with the coverage, could be with... I mean, you kind of saw the same flaws in the Bengals game that you saw in the 13 seconds. Off-press coverage, you give them space, you're letting these fast receivers get open, and that's not the right game plan. So maybe Frazier and McDermott had just this big idealistically deployment, you know, X's and O's difference, and Leslie was like, Maybe maybe Leslie called these plays and McDermott says, this isn't how I want my defense to be called. I want to be more aggressive. Maybe Leslie's more reserved or it's flipped and you have Leslie being aggressive, playing the push up front coverage and blitzing and McDermott wants to be more passive and in, in giving these bumps. I think, and, it, I think it is the first one of those that you yeah. said. I think McDermott is, is the aggressive one. But okay. I guess I guess we'll we'll see. I think that the other thing is too when we're assessing this next year, I think that there's other variables involved. So we're not going to get a super clear answer. We might be able to look at it and say, "Oh, they're being more aggressive." But I mean, look at the personnel difference. Like the departure of Tremaine Edmonds is going to change everything about the this whole scheme. scheme. Should be yeah, it'll probably look a lot different. Yeah. And you know, great schemes rely on the strengths of their the personnel that is is running it. So. When that personnel changes, what that scheme does the best is going to change. So that might be more blitzing from guys like Terrell Bernard. That might be, you know, letting the safeties do their thing, you know, which we've always had, but not having that big guy in the middle is going to make things look a lot different. So I would think that they're just going to be, even if Frazier was still here, they'd be naturally more aggressive. Yeah. I think. Well, you got Leonard Floyd also to yeah. add in and Von Miller when everybody's healthy and you hope Trey White bounces back and two strong safeties in the back. But that's all nice. I'm again, I don't want to make this bigger than it needs to be. But when we talking about Diggs, we're talking about Dable, we're talking about Frazier. What is McDermott's priority list in his head, right? We all think it goes, you know, it's like GM head coach, owner, GM head coach. I mean, Oh, you mean the hierarchy? Yeah. Of- but 
for players. So like, is, is McDermott going to protect Allen if Allen's at fault here, or is McDermott going to listen to Diggs and say, okay, you're, if it is a play calling issue, is it the, your usage issue? And maybe Allen pushes back on it. I don't know. It's like, whose side do you take? It's like your two kids are fighting. They're not, either of them are wrong really, unless it's a focus thing, which one is clearly right. But if you make your franchise quarterback uncomfortable, that's dangerous. And if you make your franchise wide receiver uncomfortable, that's dangerous. So it's a, where does McDermott see himself in these guys? Yeah. And I'll give him this. I don't know if I have any like direct evidence to support this, but I've always thought of McDermott as a guy who was good at managing personalities. And that's a skill that as an NFL head coach, you see the best people have Yeah, because you're not an adult coaching a youth team where you're the ultimate alpha. And if some kid starts acting up, you're going to, you can sit them down. Yeah. Like you have, this is a collection of men that make more have, money than you. Don't forget yeah, the money who, aspect. Who are all alphas. Yeah. Who have grown up being the best at what they've done. All these players that you're coaching, for the most part, have all been the best players on their teams, like in high school, less so in college, and then less so in the NFL. How do you manage all those personalities that have a right to think that they're right all the time? Yeah. Because they are the best at their craft yeah. in the world comparatively to everybody else. So yeah. how do you how do you manage you know, a rift like this between your two stars. And I, I think that he's the right guy for the job. That's not something I could do very well. Yeah. You know, how do you keep everybody happy? Cause not everybody's going to be happy all the time. You just do what you think is right for the team. Yeah. He has shown that he can grow and move forward, whether it's his scheme, whether it's his decision-making, whether it's his, his challenges, you know, when he throws the challenge flag, we've seen him evolve before. So yes. I think that he, at the very least, we can trust that he has a growth mindset yes. with this. And that's he's a very not, good point. He's not like we see coaches die out in the NFL because they're stuck in their ways. Rex Ryan, all these guys yep. who, you know, Bill Belichick now is kind of yep. looking like that yep. a little bit. It's so, that's such a good point. Just how different McDermott was in 2016, 17 yeah. with Ty- like, Tyrod and Shady McCoy and the elite defense and, then when you draft Josh and he goes all in on this whole philosophy of aggression and I'll never yeah. forget it watching the first opening game of Allen's second season and they threw the ball like 18 times in a row against the Jets. It's like, yeah. wow, okay, you are not going to be Rex Ryan here. You are this not going to be this is not your your father's You're not going to be Ron Rivera. Right You're not even yeah. going to be Ron Rivera. You're not even going to be like the guy you coach under. You look more like Andy Reid right now, which is interesting because you're a defensive head coach and you did coach under him for a long time so something i know you're not in the same meetings but you have to take something away from being in a locker room with an all-time great play calling head coach which is why mcdermott this is so i don't like this hate that he's getting because he does coach to his personnel he coached to his strengths and he has seen it done in a lot of different ways right with jimmy johnson on defense and Andrew Reid on offense. Those are two awesome guys to learn from. So we've seen it in the field. We've seen it on the field ourselves. We've watched this defense go from a blitzing linebacker, Lorenzo Alexander, getting double-digit sacks, to being the leader of the NFL and only rushing four. And we've watched the Bills go from a 1,000-yard running back, Shady McCoy, number one rushing offense with Rex Ryan to being the number two scoring offense with Josh Allen and throwing the ball and leading the NFL and passing. It's not a McDermott thing. Like you said, I don't think it's uh, that personality influence and how to deal with it. And, and again, these are men, but they're young men. 
still at the end of the day, Josh is just 27 and Diggs is a little older at 29, but they are at an age where with the money and with the fame and with the success that has been had so far, it's really delicate. Something could throw it off like this with Diggs. And I think McDermott is right for the job. And I think these guys are going to leave, whether it's Frazier goes somewhere else or Dable goes somewhere else and Ken Dorsey when it comes time and Joe Brady when it comes time. But these guys are all going to have their own styles, but we're going to see something unique from McDermott always, depending on his personnel. Yeah. And one last one last point before we move on to the next thing. McDermott is a defensive-minded head coach, right? So you don't want to take away from the offense. So the best thing to do if you're a defensive-minded head coach is to delegate pretty much everything and not have your hands too much in the offensive scheme. And if you want to think that that's a good thing, then you would be looking forward to this year because if McDermott is handling more of the defense, he's not going to be as focused on what the offense is doing because he doesn't have Leslie Frazier there who's you know installing the defense every week. He's... He's less of an overarching figure, you know, and he's more in the weeds with the defense now. Yeah. So I think that that's going to take away some time that he normally would have spent, you know, looking over the offense. So yep. whether you think that's a good thing or a bad thing, I think it might be a good thing, you know, because he's an opinionated person and he might have thoughts about stuff. And, you know, we, we, we've seen that before briefly when we thought that there was the day ball McDermott rift on McDermott wanted to run the ball more. Dayball's like, well, why do you want to do that? We stink mm-hmm. at it. Let's just yep. throw the ball. And we all thought that Dayball was right in that. So that's a good know. point because I don't know how I would want to do this. I think if I'm a defensive head coach, it's so fascinating how the NFL is split like this because the, you know, the cycles of defense versus offense and the success of these offensive coaches, you look around the league and even if you don't have McDermott, it's like, who else would you rather have? And my number one candidate that I would want is Bob Johnson from the lions offensive coordinator, because you need somebody like that. He's under Dan Campbell. So you have the defensive side, but I always think like something offensively, again, this is besides the point. I don't want McDermott to be taken off, but somewhere along the line, McDermott had to learn offensive skills from Andy Reid. He had to see, this like I, I just I don't I know you have to focus only on one side of the ball in the NFL at the level of the NFL because they're so intricate and there's so many adjustments and there's so much that goes into it. But if you're working with somebody like Andy Reid or you're working with somebody that is so qualified for the offense, I would want to learn from him because I'm not going to have him around forever. And it, to, to benefit myself as a head coach, you know, I have my style. I know how I like to play. But if I know like this guy's offensive scheme, I want to learn it because he's not going to be here and I can bring it with me. That's why I think it's so interesting to watch McDermott evolve like he has to be such a defensive minded head coach, but to be so aggressive on the offensive side of the ball. He has to get that from Andy Reid. You can't live in a vacuum. But I would love to know how much time he spends with the offensive head coaches. Like, what does he take away? Does he just sit there and let them work and let them talk and observe? Does he throw things in when he shouldn't and like be a micromanager? How does his role with the offensive coaches look? Because you think as an offensive coordinator, like you're the head coach of all the offensive staff. Defensive coordinator is the head coach of all the defensive staff. And then you have the head coach who's in charge of the coordinators. So it's like, I want to know what is McDermott's meetings with the offense look like? If yeah. he does it all, like you have to meet, You're, he's your quarterback. But that's always interesting to me because even if he is just focusing on defense because he's being the play caller this year, in the past, how much has he taken away with his other head coaches? How much has he taken away? Like, if I ever get a chance to talk to McDermott, that would be a question: is how much of the offensive 
team meetings when you were with Andy Reid as a coordinator or as a positions coach did you ever get to spend time with? How much did Andy Reid really influence you as a head coach? Yeah. Well, I bet he reviews the game plans. Like, you know, if it's if it's Ken Dorsey, he probably puts it together, goes into the office with McDermott and they go through it together. Yeah. And McDermott probably has some good feedback because he sees it from a defensive perspective. He's yes. like, okay, if you guys start doing this, I as a defensive coordinator would start doing this. So you should yeah. probably be prepared for this. You and know, like the game kind of flow, right? The sequencing of calls. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 All that stuff. Anyway, we got to get a break in real quick. We'll be right back after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. So we just got a little little trivia segment here to finish up for you guys. Speaking of managing personalities, Tyreek Hill was in the news again uh, for some not so good stuff. For those of you who haven't heard, apparently, allegedly, I guess I should say, in Miami, there was some kind of altercation with a charter boat employee. It's like a marina employee is what I read. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's probably a better word for it. Anyway, so that got us thinking about some of the... Uh, some of the more notable suspensions in NFL history. So, Brandon, I'm going to quiz you. Uh-oh. Uh, this is this is guess the player, but the only clues that I'm giving you is their suspension details. <laughs> this is a good trivia, and I think it's so funny because like in the NFL, we just talked about it. It was June 22nd, and from outside of OTAs, so whatever, June 10th, the last week. So from June 10th to August 1st, it's like, just don't do anything stupid. Don't get right. arrested. Don't get anybody pregnant. Don't go to jail. Don't make the news. Don't get hurt. Don't go broke. And, you know, these players can't help themselves sometimes. Yeah. Well, those players in committed relationships are welcome to go ahead and get their uh, significant others pregnant. But other than that, <laughs> yes. it is suspension season in, f- in full swing right now. I only reference that, sorry, because of Zion Williamson's recent headlines. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good that. point. Yeah. Good point. So anyway, this first one is probably the most iconic suspension of all time. Player missed weeks one through four of the 2015 season, hmm. serving a four-game suspension. Who I just talked be? about this in my health class. We were talking about, because do you remember the chain of text messages that came out between Brady and the trainer talking about like, 
he doesn't want the balls super firm, but they're just right. Or just like a little <laughs> bit of give. And it was like the text that came out and Brady's like, I actually don't have a cell phone. So you can't view my text messages. He just claimed that he doesn't have a cell phone ever. And I talked and about then destroyed whole, his cell phone. Yeah. But I talked about it with my health class. We we're doing an internet safety thing. And I was like, even the best of us, these messages can come back around and haunt us. Look at Tom Brady talking about deflating footballs and got suspended four games. Well, I would, I wouldn't exactly refer to Tom Brady as the best of us, but. Yes. No, you know, I, the, <laughs> I anybody, know exactly what yeah, you mean. Yeah. yeah. Could so, have another Brady, Brady. In, including, you know, subhumans like Tom Brady. Yes. All right. So this next player, I'll get, I'll give you kind of some, some clues one at a time. Okay. You might get this too fast. I'm not sure. So this player started getting suspended in 2013 when they missed two games due to suspension. 2014, he was suspended for a total of 11 games. 2015, missed the entire season, 16 games. 2016, missed the entire season, which is 16 games. 2017, he appeared in the last five games of the season, missing 11 games. 2018, he missed several games towards the end of the season and the playoffs. And then 2019, suspended for the remainder of the season after playing five games. I'm trying to leave out team names here. That's okay. Can I uh, Can I guess? Yeah. I'm going to give you a Stephen A. impression saying, stay off the weed, Josh Gordon. <laughs> that is correct. Yes. Uh, Josh Gordon, who, by my count, this is just an estimation, missed somewhere in the neighborhood of a total of 78 possible games in his career just due to suspension. And it's unfortunate for him because he came into the NFL in an era where drug testing included marijuana use. Now the NFL does not test for marijuana. It's legal in a lot of states. So you want to know what could have been with that guy. He had other issues besides just smoking pot all the time during games and stuff. But I would be curious for his drug test results, if went like how they test now where they don't test for weed, if he would have been able to stay in the league and how productive he would have or could have been. Yeah, I read something too briefly about he actually tested positive for alcohol at some point, which is not something you'd think that they would test for. But I think that was probably one of the conditions of one of his suspensions. I want to say he, he had, said he would play hammered. Like he would be. Oh, yeah. He used to. He used to do, stuff. do yeah. shots before games, which is just, I mean, Incredible. that's insane on its own level. But yeah. when you're thinking about like the best athletes in the world doing the craziest things and how much of a disadvantage that would put like someone like you or me at for him too probably took a little bit off of his game like it definitely wasn't doing him you know any good that's funny because you i all i know so listen i'm a men's league hockey player but they are also called beer league hockey right that's That's true and i don't i'm not a drinker it hurts my stomach i i it's well known if you don't know me (laughs) i don't drink a ton but i i remember having a couple drinks and trying to skate one time and it was impossible. I was like, I'm done. I can't do this. This is so incredibly hard to be coordinated. And, and there's people on the other team that it's called tournament of beers. It's a, it's a beer league hockey tournament. Where a bunch of teams come together, but they're drinking like rum buckets on the bench. And then they're but I'm like, how, how are you That's skating? Crazy. How are you playing I mean, hockey? I right can now? understand it with bowling yeah. and maybe sometimes golf. If you're, you yeah. know, Bob um, Daly or not Bob Daly, John it's Daly, John Daly. John Daly. Thank you. Yeah. Teamwork. But it's funny. Yeah, no, it's, Some people say they play great. Some people don't, you know, it affects everybody differently. I, but I just find that hilarious. Yeah. Like, how do people do this? It's crazy. Yeah. All right. This next player, second to last one. This player was, I can't figure out the exact length of this 
suspension, but this player was suspended until they're released from prison in 2011. Okay, he says not Michael Vick. 2011. You got any more? If I tell you what they did, you're going to guess it. If I tell you their team, you're going to guess it. They were suspended in 2009. So they were suspended for two years. I don't know if this player actually came back into the league afterwards. Ricky Williams. Nope. Ricky Williams would have been earlier than this. Yes, he would have been. I don't know. That was like the tail end of his career. So I was wondering if he got caught with weed again. Um, So any other clues? Give me some like career clues. Um, Played in the great state of New York. So any three of those teams, I know it's New Jersey. Offense or defense? Offense. Okay. Was a wide receiver. Plexico? Yeah, there you go. Okay. Okay. Because he shot himself? Yep. Aforementioned accidental shooting. How much does that suck? You shoot yourself on accident and then end up in prison? It's the worst. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what a bad day. Oh, yeah. I mean, not not. I'm not saying that it's not his fault or anything like that, but that's definitely a bad day. Yeah, that, that's like that's your bad decisions compounding in yeah. front of your eyes right yep. there. All right, last one for you. November fourth, two thousand thirteen. This player was suspended indefinitely and then reinstated in February of twenty fourteen. This player is an offensive lineman. I just want to see if you can guess before I start giving you other clues. This player was suspended for detrimental conduct. Richie Incognito. Hey, that was fast. Hey. You did good. Well, he All like right. he was a fiery guy when he was with Miami and Oakland when he's headbutting these dudes and it's just he had no care no, for no filter. Anything. Yeah. No filter. But um, everybody that says that played with him loved him. Right? Except well, didn't he bully somebody too? He was like really yeah, harassing yeah. the one guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah. So But they said they liked playing with him. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the rhino may have had some negative qualities that yeah. affected him throughout his career. Yeah. But anyway, we'll always remember him as the rhino in Buffalo. Yes. And also part of the number indef- one indefinite. rushing unit in the NFL. Yes. Yeah. yes. Suspended in thir- 2013. Anyway, that's all I got. Those are good. But I thought that'd be fun to uh, put those together. It was yeah. hard to pick four examples there that, cause I mean, you start Googling the most famous NFL suspensions. And again, it's like, it's terrible Dark. stuff, yeah. you know? Yeah. I didn't want to Kel- like Kelvin Ridley was too easy too. And oh, also yeah. we could have had if we were a Detroit Lions podcast, we could have had a whole segment on the slew of players that just got suspended for yeah. for gambling this offseason. It was did like, you did you read the minimum gambling money or the maximum amount you can win while playing fantasy football and still play in the NFL? There's a number. Like if if you really? want to play yeah. Do you want to guess right, it? What is it? Do you want what to is guess? It? <laughs> I don't know. What is it? Ninety nine dollars? No, it's more than that. Not much more than that. It's, two, uh, it's 250. 225? Yeah, but you can play for 225. And I want to say Mike Shope said that's a $25 league for fantasy football. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. That's about what we do, you know, for yeah. our for our leagues and stuff yeah. like that. So so uh yeah, Josh Allen, you're welcome to join us and not get in trouble if you want. But you will probably be drafted number one overall. So don't I be that guy don't. and take yourself. What if he has himself? Yeah, do you pick yourself? I don't know. I think that's, I don't think I could ever do that. Yeah. But if you're Josh Allen and you're picking first overall, uh, do you think it encourages some extra good play from him? You know, he's like, yeah, no. we're trying to win the Super Bowl for Buffalo, but <laughs> the, I really, the, need, I really the need this one... fantasy win. Cause Pat beat me last week and you know, yeah, I feel right. embarrassed now. So it was the funniest part about that, that Pat would have beaten Josh Allen in fantasy yes. football. Yes. Or was it funnier that like Pat would have just remembered to set his lineup in this <laughs> hypothetical scenario? 
<laughs> That's funny. And Josh Allen's like texting the group chat, like, hey, tell Pat to set his line up. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Pat's got some backup tight end from Jacksonville in his in his starting slot. You want to take a look at that. Who but. miraculously scores a touchdown and scores like seven points or something like right, that. Right, right. And Pat's like, see, I told you all along. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> All right. Well, you guys know where to find us on Twitter at not buff podcast and TikTok too. I promise we're going to start posting <laughs> videos at some point. We'll, we'll start an Instagram soon. That handle will likely be not buff podcast as well. I can't assume that that's already taken for any reason. So parody at not, at not buff podcast on everything. Try to uh, keep it consistent. But uh, until then, we'll be back next week. Yes. Yeah, stay safe and go bills. Go bills. Go bills.